Hello everyone and welcome to the Stephen King cast, one man's musings on the works of Stephen King. Once I reviewed each of his works in the chronological order of publication, but Ka is a wheel, it all goes round again, and here I am once more on a new phase of the journey, one that will examine each of the endings of the works of Stephen King to determine whether or not King deserves his reputation for having an inability to successfully land his endings. The focus of the podcast will be to examine the climax, the falling action, the resolution of the endings to each of his novels and break it down by character, themes, conflict, and plot to determine whether or not it meets the criteria of being an objectively good ending. I'm also going to weigh in on whether or not I personally happen to subjectively like the ending. And today we are going to discuss the ending to The Green Mile. But before I get into the ending, let me uh, read the Wikipedia summary so I can provide a basis upon which I can build my analysis. Wikipedia. A first-person narrative told by Paul Edgecombe, the novel switches between Paul as an old man in the Georgia Pines nursing home sharing his story with fellow resident Elaine Connolly in 1996 and his time in 1932 as the block supervisor of the Cold Mountain Penitentiary death row nicknamed the Green Mile for the color of the floor's linoleum. This year marks the arrival of John Coffey, a six-foot-eight powerfully built black man who has been convicted of raping and murdering two small white girls. During his time on the mile, John interacts with fellow prisoners Edward Dell Delacroix, a Cajun arsonist, rapist, and murderer, and William Wharton, Billy the Kid to himself, Wild Bill to the guards, a wild, acting, and dangerous multiple murderer who is determined to make as much trouble as he can before he's executed. Other inhabitants include Arlen Bitterbuck, a Native American convicted of killing a man in a fight over a pair of boots, Arthur Flanders, a real estate executive who killed his father to perpetuate insurance fraud and whose sentence is eventually commuted to life imprisonment, and Mr. Jingles, a mouse, whom Dell teaches various tricks. Paul and the other guards are antagonized throughout the book by Percy Wetmore, a sadistic guard who enjoys antagonizing the pr uh, prisoners. The other guards have to be civil to him despite their dislike of him because he is the nephew of the governor's wife. When Percy is offered a position at the nearby Briar Ridge Psychiatric Hospital as a secretary, Paul thinks they're finally rid of him. However, Percy refuses to leave until he's allowed to supervise an execution, so Paul hesitantly allows him to run Dells. Percy deliberately avoids soaking a sponge in brine that is supposed to be tucked inside the electrode cap to ensure a quick death in the electric chair. When the switch is thrown, a current causes Dell to catch fire in the chair and suffer a prolonged agonizing demise. Over time, Paul realizes that John possesses inexplicable healing abilities, which he uses to cure Paul's urinary tract infection and revive Mr. Jingles after Percy stomps on him. Simple-minded and shy, John is very empathetic and sensitive to the thoughts and feelings of others around him. One night, the guards drug Wharton, put a straitjacket on Percy, and lock him in the padded restraint room so that they can smuggle John out of the prison and take him to the home of the warden Hal Moores. Hal's wife, Melinda, has an inoperable brain tumor, which John cures. When they return to the mile, John passes the disease from Melinda into Percy, causing him to go mad and shoot Wharton to death before falling into a catatonic state from which he never recovers. Percy is committed to Briar Ridge. Paul's long-simmering suspicions that John is innocent are proven right when he discovers that it was actually William Wharton who raped and killed the twin sisters, and that John was trying to revive them. Later, John tells Paul what he saw when Wharton grabbed his arm one time 
how Wharton had coerced the sisters to be silent by threatening to kill one if the other made a noise, using their love for each other. Paul is unsure how to help John, but tells but John tells him not to worry, as he is ready to die anyway, wanting to escape the cruelty of the world. John's execution is the last one in which Paul participates. He introduces Mrs. Mr. Jingles to Elaine just before the mouse dies, having lived 64 years past these events, and explains that those healed by John gained an unnaturally long lifespan. Elaine dies shortly after, never learning how Paul's wife died in his arms immediately after they suffered a bus accident, and that he saw John Coffey's ghost watching from an overpass. Paul seems to be all alone now, 104 years old, and wondering how much longer he will live. Okay, so let's talk about the ending. Um, so let's just make this as clean as possible. We'll consider the entirety of Part 6, Coffee on the Mile, as the ending. Um, remember that when Stephen King wrote this, he wrote this over a period of six months in installments, um, that each each chapter was published once a month. Um so let's just take that last publication, part six, and use that as the um, as the basis for what we talk about when we talk about the ending. So um, the climax is Coffee passing his sickness to Percy, Percy killing Wharton. The falling action is Coffee being electrocuted, and the resolution um, is Paul contemplating the length of his life um, after the the death of of Mr. Jingles. Okay, so let's talk about the criteria for a good ending. Uh, first up, well, I'm going to ask a series of questions, um, and we're and I will explore those questions, and we'll, I will see if if it meets um, if it meets the, these criterias. Okay, so does it provide an appropriate conclusion to its characters that is consistent with the characters' actions, conflicts, and themes from the book? Yes, I would say that. Um, you know, this is a, a, a character-driven story. We are thrust into the, the, the life of the characters on the Green Mile through the perspective of Paul. We get to know all of them incredibly well. With the characters, King created one of his um, strongest villains to date with Percy. Um, and, you know, he, if you want to rank, if you want to do rankings, you know, he's easily in the top five you can make the argument he's in the top three you know clearly he has some strong competition with some supernatural creatures out there but percy is someone you love to hate um percy is just someone that really um ratchets up the tension whenever he's on the page and i would say that that percy's what happens with percy at the end um him having just the sickness poured into him um, and then him shooting Wharton, and then ultimately having him um, become a resident at the place he was going to work at, uh, it, it, it feels right. Um, it, it feels right for this particular character. If you have listened to my review of The Green Mile in its entirety, I did take issue with this in one regard. Is that it? For John Coffey, who has seemed so innocent throughout, for him to take this action, he is purposefully doing ill will towards someone, which doesn't seem in the care. You can make the argument, 
Okay, that's what that's how I'll phrase it. You can make the argument that it doesn't seem within the character of John Coffey to purposefully do that, especially when you make the the analog of of you know when you when you draw the line between John Coffey and Jesus Christ going out of his way to purposefully inflict harm upon another person, which in turn kills um, another resident. Um, you could make the argument that that doesn't seem in line with what we know of John Coffey. However, um, you know, famously, I'm sure that you've seen the meme going around over the last four or five years um, from the movie of, of John Coffey saying, I'm tired, boss, you know, and, you know, that lines up with John Coffey as a character in the book who wants to, as Wikipedia stated, escape the cruelty of the world. I mean, the man has had enough. He is going to die because of the actions of one of the other residents. And, you know, he has just witnessed the, the everyday cruelty and, and sadism of, of this awful guard, you know. Um, and we, we see the, the humanity in the other guards, and, and we see the, the other guards, you know, take their roles seriously with honor and you know who is the outlier here who is who is more representative of humanity is it paul and the other guards or is it percy um it's a great question to ask and you know either way you can look at it a couple ways John Coffey is passing his judgment on humanity through Percy and ultimately what happens to Paul. Or, you know, in this moment, he's a man that has just had enough. And, um, you know, he, he passes on the sickness that ultimately already is in Percy. He has a sick soul and a perfect receptacle for, um, for the cancer that, that he had pulled out of the warden's wife. Um, speaking of, of John Coffey, in terms of appropriate conclusions to the characters, I mean, where he's placed when we meet him, a decision needs to be made by the storyteller to determine whether or not he, as a character, was innocent or guilty, and whether or not, if you place him on um, death row, um, is he going to be electrocuted or not? It, it was going to turn out one of two ways. Either one is uh, is satisfactory, um, and, and King chose for John Coffey to be electrocuted. Um, like I said, it had to end of one of well, one or two ways. Either he escapes or he's executed. By executing him, it creates a tragic ending. Um, you know, I've already mentioned Jesus Christ once, but it invokes the crucif crucifixation, is that how you say it? Of Jesus Christ being crucified on the cross. Um, but we need to note that it has framed the entire story through the eyes of you know, the equivalent of, of one of the Roman soldiers who is helping to hammer the nails into Jesus Christ all the while knowing that he's doing it to the Son of God. Um, which, let's talk about Paul for a second. You know, the the as I stated in my review, I, I believe when I revisited the Green Mile, I went into it thinking that I was going to be, you know, re-engaging with something more aligns of, of the Shawshank Redemption which is re redemptive, it is hopeful, um, whereas this is a dark shadow. Um, you, you see, you know, I, I think when I think of the, the book and I think of the movie, you know, you think of, 
you know, Tom Hanks and, and the wonderful feelings that Tom Hanks is able to bring and the humanity and the kindness and the warmth that he brings. And it's, it's apparent within the text of both the book and the movie, but that serves to, um, you know, what that does, it, 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 it serves the, the, the themes and which I'll get to, um, and the morality that Stephen King is working with here, which is judgment. And Paul is judged. Um, he is both judging himself, but he is judged externally. Um, this is not a happy ending for this character. He has been given the curse of long life um, for his actions in bringing about the death of someone with extraordinary gifts um, who could have helped change the world for the better, but instead was broken um, and executed by the systems that we as a society have put into place. Um, and because Paul played a part in it, though he had a great relationship with the with John Coffey, he still was the one that ultimately, at the end of the day, though he was a tool of the system, he was the one to kill John Coffey, and he will suffer um, because of it. So I believe that this does provide an appropriate conclusion to its characters that is consistent with the actions, conflicts, and themes of the book. The next question, does it successfully wrap up the plot? Specifically, do the events build upon one another with consistency? And I would say yes. Um, the final book, uh, Coffee on the Mile, it begins with John Coffee reeling from pulling the cancer from the warden's wife. And this plot line is resolved when he passes that same sickness into Percy. Percy kills the man who killed the girls. And then so in one deft move, King passes judgment on Percy and answer the question of who killed the girls. From a plot perspective, he's he's wrapping up mysteries while you know pushing the the story forward does the conclusion serve the theme symbolism and motifs yes um the saintly figure is killed and the man who killed him is punished with long life king does not shy away from judging paul for his actions his cowardice and his lack of action for failing to try to save john coffee so what's the most important famous or what's the most famous scene in the novel and does it appear in the conclusion of the story? Uh, and the reason why I ask this is because it's not a it's not necessary um, to have the most famous scene uh, uh, take place in the end. Um, but it, it certainly helps if it exists. you know so what is the most famous scene? Um, the, the the botched execution, coffee's execution, um, probably Percy's or the the escape um you know if it's if it's coffee's execution then that that definitely takes place at the end um but no it's just something to mull over and are there other factors that we need to consider um you know I, I, I mean here's one I mean for someone that has a reputation for failing to successfully land his his endings the fact that he he landed this one so smoothly is a testament to why he's the king. Remember, as I stated at the beginning of this podcast, King was writing um, each chapter once a month. He went into this without the ability to, to do much revision or rewriting. He um, was writing without a net here. And this is, um, though I, I have been very complimentary um, and in the analysis of of this stretch of the podcast more of his books based on the criteria that we've agreed on here um most of his books end well um but even even considering that he's been able to to successfully um end his stories this one 
um, is a, a strong entry. Th this one, um, he, he seems to do it so smoothly, which is, again, a testament to his, his abilities as a writer. So, subjectively speaking, do I like the ending? Yes. Yes, I do. Very much. Um, and based on everything that we had discussed in terms of characters, plot, theme, um, and wrapping up the conflict, um, do we consider this a satisfactory conclusion to the story? Yes, it is a good ending. It is a ending that I happen to like, and it is a good ending. So that brings us to um, me liking 24 out of 25 endings, um, and 22 out of 25, based on the criteria, have been found good. They are good endings. So that's where we are with that. Um, so if uh, you have liked this episode, um, head on over to iTunes, um, leave a review. That would be awesome. Um, if you want to chime in, provide any thoughts about any of the Stephen King endings, any Stephen King thoughts that you have, ask me any questions, write into Stephen King cast at yahoo.com. You can follow me on at, at, you know Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Um, you know, with the handle Stephen Kingcast. And, um, you know, next week uh, we're going to be heading into Desperation. Um, I love this book. I love talking about this book. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about Desperation and the ending to Desperation next week, um, followed up by The Regulators. Um, yeah, and write in um, with, with any questions or anything that you want to share. So this was a shorter episode, guys. Um, but I definitely wanted to still get it out to you. Um, and may you have long days and pleasant nights, and I will see you here next time where M-O-O-N spells Stephen King cast.